we can start a podcast where we'll talk about Marvel Comic Universe, and I'll explain that whole thing and what I think should happen. And I'll compare, compare it to the comic book world, which is a lot of fun. I've got 40 years of experience with the comic book world, so... <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Under the Dome. As you can hear a little bit of the conversation we had before that, uh, my partner in crime here, Sean Williams, saw Infinity War. And he the first thing he says to me is, all right, you got to explain something. What the hell was that about at the end of the film? <laughs> Throw me under the bus. Yeah, no, that's all right. There's times where, you know, there are certain football players, teams, and and... Opponents, I'd love to be able to go <laughs> and just watch them disappear. Uh, yeah, we do play New England every night. I don't have, I don't have can that I, power. Can I begin our our show tonight by saying that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, friends, family, all Romans of our viewers, countrymen. Yeah, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ear. CTE is a real thing. If you do not need any more of a living example of that, look at former NFL quarterback Chris Sims. If uh -oh. you don't think that brain injuries are real, search the internet for Chris Sims' list of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league right now, and you'll understand fully. Yeah, but he didn't hurt his head playing football. He hurt his head when his doctor dropped him on it. Uh, I mean, he went to spank, spank his butt to make him breathe, and he accidentally smacked him in the head because they're one and the same. I mean, you know, it, what happens is you got these guys that they got to stand out. So they got to pull these lists out just to get people to talk about this stuff. You know, it's I, I said this in a chat somewhere, I said, it's like a top 40 list. You know, you got to talk about the trendy players. You got to talk about the, the fun stuff. Because if you go, every single list has Tom Brady, Drew Brees, um, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger. You just go down the same list every time. It, you don't stand out. So you got to put together, for lack of a better term, an asshole list. You know, where you put together a list where people are like, what the hell? You know, you start listing players like Cam Newton, who completes less than 60% of his passes. You know, you start throwing in guys. Oh, then the trendy guys. We're going to throw in, um, oh, I don't know. We won't include, uh, you know, anybody that hasn't played in a couple of years. So Andrew Luck doesn't go on the list. But you throw in some kind of trendy person. Like, we'll throw in, uh, you know, I, don't, I can't even think of who he had on this list. But um, I'm, this, I'm pulling it up right now. I, okay, it. Uh, I just Cam it, Newton was the one that blew me away. Even though Cam Newton won an MVP, Cam Newton as a passer now, we're talking about passers, is not on a top ten list. As an athlete or a player, I can see that, but not as a passer. I, I'm trying to find it now. Um, no, I don't want the video. Oh, he so, threw in, uh, didn't he throw in Jameis Winston? No, Winston is the only NFC South quarterback to not make. The okay. Uh, he had, if I, I'm going off of memory here, he had, uh, 
Aaron Rodgers, number one, which I suppose if you really wanted to, that would be debatable. Um, oh, here we go. Here we go. Hang on. Yeah, I got it right here, too. Aaron Rodgers, number one, didn't even play this entire, played maybe half the season a year ago. Russell Wilson playing on perhaps the the worst offense in the league, number two. Tom Brady, okay, I'll give you that one. He he's uh he's earned that one. Uh, oh, Blake Bortles, he had on there, didn't he? No. Oh. Uh, number four, Matt Stafford never won a playoff game. Um, number five, Carson Wentz didn't play an entire season a year ago. Ben Roethlisberger, number six. Okay, maybe Ben's earned it. Uh, number seven, Cam Newton. Uh, no. Uh, number eight, Deshaun Watson. Played, what, four games a year ago? That was the one that – that was a trendy one. I was trying to think of who is the trendy quarterback he had on there. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, what, played four games? Yes. Yeah. Uh, number nine, Matt Ryan. Uh, no. Number 10, Drew Brees. Uh, and, and my buddies at uh, 97.7 locally here, uh, they uh, – Sean Fox took that on today, and he had to preface it by saying, I'm going to use curse words, so I'll give you a warning in three, two, one. And he said that Chris Sims was an asshole – or, excuse me, was a dumbass. Uh, I'm going to say he's an asshole because he's he's bowing his knee and, and he's bowing to the, the trendy, trendy media, blah, 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 of trying to promote all these other guys that may be relevant in some circles. But you guys are going to, you know, I'm reminded of that scene in uh, Rocky Two where Apollo Creed is, Talking to Brent Musburger, oddly enough, uh, NFL tie-in there. Uh, mm-hmm. He's talking to me. He said, you're going to see the real Apollo Creed. Lightning fast, no job. This year you're going to see exactly what Drew Brees brings to the table. And I put forth to you guys uh, something that Alan can attest to. I, I have said this from the very beginning uh Drew Brees is absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt the absolute most underrated quarterback that wears a Super Bowl ring in the history of this league. Uh, and, and to me, that is bar none. He is given absolutely no respect and probably a month, uh, five to six weeks into the season, he is going to break the all-time passing yardage record. And everyone says, well, he didn't win Super Bowls. He didn't win. Well, I promise you, for every, well, yeah, uh, for every uh, ring that Tom Brady has, Drew Brees has his own chapter in the record books. And, And I think that people like this simpleton, Dumbass Chris Sims doing idiotic, careless stuff like this 
just further perpetuates the myth that Drew Brees is not worthy of both admiration and respect. My, uh, real no. quick. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you got to pay the bills. bills. Yeah. Uh, we want to thank Fan First Productions for being our sponsor. We want to invite you guys to subscribe to us on iTunes and on YouTube. Uh, we love our followers. We love to interact with you guys. You can reach us on Facebook, on Twitter, just any way that you have to to get in touch with us, please do. Um, let me see. Uh, actually, we had a uh, Saturday night special this this past week. We Ooh, not only got, got dinner to see in my head. Mr. Savage. Anyway. Uh, I'm not going to start singing. That's a completely different podcast. Uh, but we get, not only did we get to see the Saints play, but we got to see the magical unveiling of Marcus Davenport. Um, yeah. The the big Davenport reveal. Um, and before I, I throw it to Alan, uh, I think that Davenport showed out, man. That that play where he just kind of reached out and grabbed a hold to that San Diego running back and said, "No, I was a receiver. Receiver. I was Benjamin. Was, yeah, it was on, on an end around. Yeah. Uh, it <laughs> when I saw the play, it immediately reminded me. And you know, people like me, the the short bus people, everything equates to a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> I in, in my mind immediately went to that uh, uh, Yosemite Sam where he's riding the camel and he jumps off and starts running alongside with the the gun and he said, "When I say whoa, I mean whoa, whoa." Yeah, man, he he showed a lot of athleticism on that play. Uh, he obviously he had limited snaps due to the fact that he hasn't seen any action yet during this preseason but i i can see definite signs of him being worth the price that we paid for him now i'm not going to jump on the 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 huge uh feel good bandwagon and say that i think he's fully worth it uh we won't know that or at least in my mind we won't have that uh that done or that decision reached for another year now maybe uh hopefully uh i believe that our defense is really uh over the the jacksonville and the arizona and now the uh the the san diego chargers game i like what i'm seeing out of the defense the progression that we're seeing out of them especially up front on defense um I well, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Alan, what do you think about uh, about Davenport? Well, so let me far. say one, yeah, let me say one thing real quick. Talking about that list, go back to that list real quick. You know, my opinion is this: that Deshaun Watson has no business being on any kind of list right now because he only played four games. You got to play sixteen games. Um, you know, yes, I know he got hurt, and yes, he showed a lot of promise before he got hurt, but. Let's build a resume before we go and put him on top 10 lists of quarterbacks. He's an exciting player as a player to watch. That's one thing. 
put him on a list of players to watch. But, you know, he doesn't belong on a top 10 list. He has to earn that, and he hasn't earned it yet. Um, you know, there's lots of other quarterbacks I've put in that list before him. So, to me, aside from the stupid rankings, the fact that he had that guy in there to begin with over players like, uh, you know, say a Russell Wilson or someone, you know, people who've actually done something, you know, you you, you got to take him off the list. He's a player to watch. It, it's like his rookie season all over again because he's now starting as a starter, but he's got to do something. So that being, said, that, bit, that being said, that was my biggest – the rankings aside because, you know, Drew Brees is always going to be ranked low because he plays for a small market team, and he plays for a team that um, doesn't have the, the history of a small market team like the Packers. He um, – Go he, ahead and say it. He plays for a team that is not supposed to win at all. Yes. He plays for a team that, you know, despite being in the league 50 years, is viewed as a second-tier NFL team, not a major market team. Uh, there was a they, they were a feel-good story when there was a yep. hurricane and the yep. region was <clears throat> blah, blah, blah. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, as long as we're paying the bills and we have to have to make something of this, let's let's follow our storylines. The teams that are supposed to be relevant are the Dallas Cowboys and New York Patriots, or excuse me, the New England Patriots. Uh, well, you know, it's the it's the NFC East. It's the Cowboys, the Giants, the Redskins, the uh, the Eagles. Um, it's the AFC West. It's the the Raiders, the uh, the um, the Broncos, the Chargers, you know, and even though they're not major media markets, they're still important teams. The Jets should be relevant, you know. Um, the Steelers, teams that have a uh, – the Vikings, the teams that have long-established histories of being great teams with a lot of players in the pro in the Hall of Fame and and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's where the, the Miami Dolphins need to be relevant again for the, for the league, you know, because that's Shula, well, that's Don Shula, it's all those Dan Marino. So you know, if I guarantee, if Breeze had not come here and done all these same things that he is doing in New Orleans in Miami, he'd be in the top three all the time. It'd be guaranteed. All the time. All the time. I mean, because there's no there's no way he would not be because he's playing for the Miami Dolphins, okay, instead of the lowly Saints. You know, is that am I being a homer? Am I being provincial? Yeah, probably, but no, I, I don't time, think so at all. At the same time, I'm aware of how the league has traditionally viewed a team like the Saints. So, um. You know, it, it's not the same level of respect and interest. I keep people, knocking people thing. always call me a homer whenever I, I talk about the Saints, but I, I want you to stop it and think about the reality of the situation. When the New Orleans Saints defied the odds and went from being uh, not even a playoff team to being a Super Bowl champion, the credit that they gave for that. Oh, the, the league gave them that because of Hurricane Katrina. 
Oh, sure. That, that was the overriding narrative that was placed on these that, uh, these. They throw that in, they throw that at you, and they throw the bounty stuff at you. You know, yeah. you got it because you have bounties. Well, you know what? Hey, bounties have existed for a long, long time. So I don't want to hear, hear that crap because it was it was cool in 1995 when the Packers and the uh, and the Patriots went to the Super Bowl. They talked about the you know the smash for cash program and that kind of stuff, but. They didn't have bounties. Did not win that championship. You know, Katrina did not win that championship. They were going to win a championship. They should have got it in two thousand six for Katrina. I, I've know, gone on that, record before as saying bounties did not win that Lombardi Trophy. Sexual predators no. did. Well, yeah, we don't <laughs> we don't need to go there. Oh we wow, we, there, we, just, we just went from prime time to after dark, didn't we? I'm yeah. Uh, but anyway, you asked me about Davenport. <laughs> uh, my opinion, Davenport. I was very, I was very optimistic after I saw him play. You know, there were some things he obviously needs to do better. You know, stopping the run, um, not getting caught in the wash, and things like that. But you saw the raw athletic power. You you saw him aggressively play the ball. When he did shed blocks, you saw some good stuff out of him. You know, we, we spent two first-round draft picks on Mark Ingram. You know, people forget about that. In 2011, we tr- we burned off our first-round draft pick uh, to trade back into the 2011 draft because Cam Jordan was our only pick. And then we traded back in and took Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram's about to become the Saints' all-time leading rusher. You know, we don't even worry about that first-round pick anymore from 2012. Okay? So... You know, here my 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 opinion is this: If Davenport turns out to be the Saints' all-time pass rusher, or turns out to be a fantastic bookend to Cam Jordan, and they're destroying defense, uh, destroying offenses, people are not going to pay attention to the two picks we gave up. Well, the the extra first-round pick we gave up to get him, so. You know, there's a lot of football left to be seen with Davenport. There's a lot left going, you know, just for this year to see his progression from game one to game 16 that, you know, it's I, – I, I'm just optimistic about what I've seen. I'm not going to pass judgment over what kind of player I think he's going to be. But it's sure. very exciting to see – what he did do out there. He is not a Jonathan Sullivan. He is not a Sean Knight. You know, he is not a guy that goes out there and, man, did anybody even see if he was on the field? Did, did, we, did he notch a tackle? Did he do anything? No, he made his presence known when he was out there. And when he saw something, he recognized and did it. You know, well, and that's I, a good thing. I think that, that, that they're – I'm trying to think of how to word this correctly that – I don't sound ugly. I think that there's a certain due respect necessary for knowing that he is aware of the people that are sitting there going, okay, let me see now. We gave up all of this for him. Let's see what he's going to Being aware of the expectation level placed on him and knowing that he needed a preseason game or not, he needed to make an impact and uh, go back to Bull Durham here. But 
announce his presence with authority. Uh, I, I think that <coughs> the jury, like I said, uh, my jury on Marcus Davenport is is going to be out until I see his body of work over his rookie season, over his rookie and second season. Yeah. Uh, much, but unlike that, I think that maybe, uh, and I'm torn here, maybe the most improved from the Jackson, as I said earlier, the Jacksonville, Arizona, and now game, or excuse me, Chargers game, maybe the most improved. I'm, I, I'm. This is really a toss-up to me. Is either going to be, believe it or not, Tom Savage, <laughs> or David Onyemata. You know, just to close the book a little bit on, on Dad and Port, what we said about him. Keep in mind, you know, he's 21 years old. He's not even 23. He's 21. Okay? Most players coming out of the NF, coming out of the draft who play in the NFL are 23 years old. So he has a lot of growth he can do. You know, we're just seeing the raw athleticism right now. There's so much. The ceiling for him is so high. You can see why the Saints jumped on him. And the problem for a lot of fans who are looking at this from the standpoint of, is he worth two first-round picks? They're looking at it from the short-term point of view. In other words, is he ready to come in, step in, give us 10 sacks, and get us to the Super Bowl this year. He's not that player. He is not, and it's very hard to find a player like that. Um, even the players at the top of the draft, the Nick Chubbs and, and, and those kind of guys, probably aren't going to give you that right out of the box. You're lucky if you can find somebody who is a three-down impact guy who can play the run and rush the passer and be a polished defensive end straight out of college. So when you're taking a guy who's 21 years old, who is still growing into his six foot seven, 267 pound body. Boy, I sound like uh, Gene Wilder and Young Frankenstein. You telling me <laughs> I put an abnormal brain into a six foot nine? 60-inch wide gorilla? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> you know? But yeah, he's six foot seven, 267. So there's so much more. His, his body is going to get bigger. And he's going to get stronger and smarter. I mean, you know, how could you not be excited for this kid? It, 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 it's, it's just really... He's not going to be a gorilla. He's going to be an incredible football player if I think, he falls properly. I'm sorry to interrupt. I think that it's worth noting that due to your David Onyemata, due yeah. to your Hendrickson, due to your Cam Jordan, Davenport is in a really unique position in that he does not have to be go make that transition from number one draft pick with the added uh, 
plus bonus, whatever that you you traded next year's draft for. He doesn't have to make that transition into being the be all end all nearly so quickly because of the situation the defense is in. Yeah. And and that's and that's leading into the next thing. You're talking about most improved players. You know, Trey Hendrickson clearly is taking that next step as a pass rusher. He's still pretty weak on the run. And we saw that in San Diego again, just like we saw with Arizona, just like we saw in Jacksonville. They were in this vanilla defense they've been running. You know, they've been able to get a lot of, you know, over four yards of carry running the ball against us. And they've been able to do it a lot by breaking to the outside. So, and that's where you've seen the weakness of a Hendrickson. He's more of a pass rusher. He's improved his pass rushing skills at this point. Yes, he is not getting to the quarterback. You're seeing the second and third team getting sacks. So you're not seeing the first team getting sacks. But the point is he's showing much better closing speed that the sacks will come. But it's more to be in a defensive end in the NFL than just getting sacks. It's about being able to play the run. That's where we're seeing a weakness there. The fortunate thing is, yes, we've seen David Onyemata play better. He is in his third year. He's taking that next step forward. You're seeing him have a bigger impact pushing that pocket. Uh, You're seeing Sheldon Rankin step up. He's having a better impact pushing that pocket. That when the defense is starting to show a game plan and you're starting to see them act more in concert together as opposed to these fancy dress rehearsals where they're really just counting snaps, you know, they're not going to be out there long enough for them to really develop a feel for the game. You know, you'll see a better pass rush out of these guys is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. The thing that's disappointing, though, is we're not seeing the good run defense. Uh, Demario Davis is a guy who I've watched a lot. You've seen a lot of that speed. He's in position to make the tackle, but he's not bringing him down. That needs to get better. That has to get better. I want to see the linebackers do a much better job uh, making tackles, ending the play. We saw that last year. We did. We haven't seen it this year. Last year, I could tell you there was a lot of games where we saw Anzalone, we saw uh, Klein, we saw players like that make the tackle, bring the guy down right there, no yards after the catch, no broken tackles where guys were getting extra yards out of that. We haven't seen that in the defense this year, so that's got to get better when we start playing for real. I absolutely agree, and one thing that – I, I'm not going to pump sunshine up anybody's bunghole, but um, as excited as I was to finally see Davenport play uh, and how impressed I was with the progression of Tom Savage, who's actually setting his feet now to make his throws. Uh, David Onyemata, um what was obviously your ones versus ones, I didn't like what I saw out of the defense. Now, yes, uh, Marcus Williams, number two, got a pick six uh, against somebody that probably won't be in the league in a month from now. Um, and, and I hate that for Geno Smith, but, you know, uh, 
you want fries of that order? Anyway, <laughs> um, I I want to see our defense be better, and, and I, I have no, I have absolutely no reservations that they will be better once it's for real. Once once all the uh, the the shackles are broken loose, and we're we're doing this thing for real. Uh, I really, with all due respect to my man Gene, um, I really think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming into the Superdome at a di- at a marked disadvantage without their starting quarterback is going to be an opportunity for the the psyche of the Saints to be affected. I really believe that. I need to see the defense set the edge better and turn plays back to the inside and guys staying in lanes and make the tackles. That's what I need to see. Um, I saw some of that um, against San Diego, but not consistently, and not everybody was doing what they were supposed to do. Uh, I saw guys trying, you know, loop in, do stunts in instead of, going back to the outside and making the back turn back in because that's where our weakness is. It, I, you know, some people are saying it's up the middle. I, I, it's not so much up the middle I'm seeing. It's the B gaps and the C gaps. I'm seeing a lot more yardage picked up that way. And the B gaps and the C gaps, that's your defensive ends. That's the outside shoulder, your defensive tackles next to your defensive ends. That's where I'm seeing they're picking up the yardage. And the B-gap is linebackers. They're the ones that have to close that B-gap. And the C-gap, too. They have to flow uh, flow with the defense and start filling in all the little areas so we can you know, make these guys go back and take away that cutback lane. And when you make them go uh, east-west instead of north-south, then your defense can swarm, gang tackle, and bring them down. And that's the issue I'm seeing right now. We're not going to see an improvement Thursday night. You know, you're not going. Thursday night is the night of, okay, who are the last guys who aren't going to make this team? And who are the guys on the other side of the field that we want to look at and possibly pick up and put on our team? And that's what all the teams in the league are going to be doing. They're going to be looking at other teams' rosters more than their own rosters to see who can we pick up that's an upgrade from what we have right now as far as depth, as far as maybe a starter. Um, Sean Payton, I heard on the radio today, give an interview where he said that, uh, you know, team people have been saying a lot, you know, hey, Sean, this is the deepest team that you've ever had. And Sean's like, uh, you know, there's some areas we need to get better at. And I know one of them he's thinking of right off the top of my head is tight end. Um, I know he's going to be looking at a tight end upgrade. Um, I think he might be looking at um, maybe a linebacker too. Um, I know he has not been happy with his wide receiving core. Did I lose you? 
Okay, well, I will uh, I will pick up the ball right there. Um, things that need to be improved on. Uh, yes, I would love to see more uh, production out of the tight end position. Ben Watson is great. Uh, going back and looking over the history, uh, I, I believe that was 2015, when Watson was here, was fantastic. If if that's the Ben Watson that we get back, great. Uh, if not, we, we seriously need to upgrade that. Uh, I don't think that pass defense is going to be nearly the liability that it was. Are we good? Okay, well, I'm hoping that I'm live, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go right ahead just as though I am. Uh, it says live, so we're gonna just kind of go as we're we're obviously experiencing some technical issues. Um, I want to see more uh, production from the pass defense on the intermediate routes against uh, opponents' tight ends uh, in the flats and so on. I'm, I don't really like what I'm seeing in terms of uh, throwing the, the little flare pass to the running back in, in the flats and seeing him turn it into a 10, 15-yard gain. Uh, outside of that, I... I really, as I stay, said earlier, I really like what I'm seeing out of this defense. Now, offensively, um, I can't say enough about the emergence of Traquan Smith and exactly what that means to this team. Uh, you know, you lost one of the greatest uh, slot receivers that this team has ever, ever had in Willie Sneed. Uh, and going from a thousand yard receiver down to a five catch guy really affected this team. And I, I sincerely believe, are we back? That was the weirdest thing ever happened in my life. And I freaked it's out. Thanos. I tell you what, somebody snapped their fingers and my computer just died. So I don't know what the hell just happened, but, uh, I think it's my power source and, uh, I was checking my battery source. My battery is, yeah, it's recharging now. So apparently I did not. Yeah. I only had 1%. Oh my God. All right. So we may go through this again. No, you won't because I went through <laughs> it. I plugged in a different outlet. Um, well, I, I was just telling everyone, uh, my, my basic through three preseason games, my basic evaluation 
our pass defense looks good. Uh, I I would like better production against the intermediate uh, passing routes, tight ends, uh, running backs in the flats, uh, and swing passes, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Offensively, I really like what I'm seeing with the emergence of Traquan Smith, and uh, I would not at all be surprised. I didn't get to this. This is just kind of what I'm adding now. I would not be at all surprised to see Traquan Smith surpass Cam Meredith on the depth chart in terms of getting snaps uh, well, going into week one. Yeah, that, and that's one of the things we need. Well, you got to remember Traquan Smith is a, is a rookie too. So, sure. you know, he has a very limited route tree he can run right now. So you have to kind of take that into consideration. He he's he's a slot guy right now. He's not ready to play the X, you know, that Michael Thomas plays. Whereas you know, Cameron Meredith and um, uh, Ted Ginn Jr. can play the X if they had to. If when Michael Thomas moves to the slot, so you know that that is a weakness for him right now. Austin Carr has got the advantage of all the receivers because Austin Carr has been in the system for a year, even though he hardly played. He's been in the system for the year, so he kind he should know the offense well enough to play all the routes. Um, we're I'll be honest about- with you. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'll yeah. be honest with you, Alan, Cam Meredith, and and I'm saying this from, from the experience of having been in that position before, mm-hmm. Cam Meredith strikes me a lot as being a guy that wants to be there, that wants to make that play, but he's just not sure of that knee yet. Yeah, and his he's thinking more than he's playing. Well, yeah, um, that's that's exactly what I was trying to allude to. Um, yeah, well, it's it, not just his knees. Thinking about the offense and his routes, he needs to run because he's missed a lot of time with various injuries. So, you know, that'll come. That'll come. Um, it's kind of why I think, you know, the Saints will probably stick with six wide receivers instead of five um, because they're going to have to keep that sixth receiver available if Cameron Meredith isn't ready to play yet because I've got Brandon Tate making this roster as a kick returner. Brandon Tate right. can offer you very little as a receiver, but he's your kick returner. Sure. So he's got the fifth spot locked up. <clears throat> so now the question is, a sixth receiver, uh, if we're going to go six receivers, then it's possible that Cameron Meredith may be inactive and a guy like Austin Carr is playing as your fourth receiver. You know, you have Ted Ginn and Michael Thomas, then you've got Troy uh, Con Smith now coming in as the, uh, as the third receiver in the slot. Austin Carr coming in as the fourth receiver. So, you know, there's there's things that, that they can do. They have options. Options they didn't have last year. Uh-oh. Did you just unplug yourself? Now it's his turn. I'm telling you turned yourself off. No, I, I'm here. I I I touched the little uh infinity uh. crystal on my necklace here. There you go, the Mind Stone. <laughs> I, I think okay. one thing that uh, people don't realize, I've seen all these evaluations on 
especially the uh, the competition at running back. Jonathan mm-hmm. Williams, Boston Scott, uh, Shane Vereen. Um, what people don't really grasp the reality of is that position is going to be um, contested for the next four weeks mm-hmm. because um, come September 9th, I believe, Mark Ingram becomes inactive. So yeah. he's not he's not factored into the into the equation. We've already released Terrence West, so that's not a factor in it. Um, given the other three options in Williams, which, by the way, that is such a Saints name. I I, I just wanted to throw <laughs> that out there. Um, Boston Scott and Shane Vereen. Um, I think that Williams has put together too too good a resume to ignore in this preseason. I really do. So it comes down to a choice between Vereen and Boston Scott. You got one guy that has the resume and one that is a rookie but has probably all things considered shown out more on the field. Um, So you got a guy that is going to tell you this is what I'm bringing to the table or versus a guy that's going to show you what he's got to offer. Uh, That's going to be a toss up Uh, in my book. It's Boston Scott every time. Well, and, and that's that's the thing I was going to get to. Um, you know, as far as Ingram's carries, and I was writing down a couple of things. Ingram, uh, I think, averages like 17 touches a game, 17 or 18 touches a game. So you, you're probably going to see Ingram's touches split in half among, between uh, Williams and Scott. And Williams is going to have to show up in this last preseason game, he's going to behind that second string offensive line. Maybe he, maybe the first string might be there together for the first couple series, but he's going to have to show up uh, and show he's getting some good positive yardage. Show he can do a little pass protection. Show he can try and catch the ball a little bit. Um, people have been asking how come the tight ends aren't involved in this offense a lot. That's not what we're evaluating right now. What we're evaluating is whether or not these backs can be factors these running backs give me factors in the passing game we've seen boston scott show he is a factor in the passing game not so much as a blocker but as a as a catcher pass catcher so i think you'll see boston scott get a lot of touches in the game maybe some of the touches alvin Kamara would pick up too um in the passing game, I'm talking about not as a runner so much as a passing game, um, where Camara may be a decoy and Scott's the one catching the screen pass and going somewhere with it, or that swing pass. But Williams is going to have to show some development there too because he is going to have to show not only can he pass block, but he can catch the ball so you can keep the defense off balance because the whole secret of the Saints' offense is – having the same personnel out there, but being able to do multiple things with that personnel. 
um, not just run the football or just pass the ball, but be able to shift and change things up based on whatever the defense is going, where Drew Brees sees his mismatch, where Sean Payton sees his mismatch in the off in the defense, and he can exploit that with backs, with tight ends, or with receivers. So, um, yeah, Jonathan Williams is somebody who's going to have to step up in this uh, next preseason game and finally secure that spot away from Shane Vereen because Shane Vereen, we already know he can, is a factor in the passing game. He's just not a factor in the running game. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. Okay. Uh, you alluded to that. Mm-hmm. Another player that I yeah. want to – I think – needs to uh, either step up or risk being cut. Um, wow. You took, you took one of mine. Um, I'm going to say Cam Meredith. I don't or, think that. I don't. I really don't think they'll cut him. I really well, don't. I, I was going to, uh, to, to say that again. Due to the money that they've invested in him, they can't really cut him. Now, they can go the route of what they did with Austin Carr a year ago. They can retain him and keep him injured reserve, pup list, uh, practice mm-hmm. squad for a year. No. Um, they just inactivate him all, all season, but I can't see that either. Yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a guy who I think needs to step up or he's gone is PJ Williams. Um, I, I would have I would have said him, but mm-hmm. I think that PJ Williams is already gone. And, uh, and the re- the reason that I say that, how much of him did you see against San Diego? Everyone's yeah. everyone calls the third preseason game the quote unquote dressed rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see him for not a single snap against the Chargers. Well, he's coming off that rib injury. He did practice that week, but, you know, they could have held him out for that. But we'll see if he plays his fourth preseason game. If he doesn't play at all, then, yeah, the handwriting's on the wall and he's gone. Yeah. But, you know, he's got a lot of competition. Now, Arthur Millette didn't play in that third preseason game either. No. He was injured. Yes. Um, Marcus Williams the second. Um, Marcus Williams, cornerback, did play. You know, he kind of made a – a statement, I guess, that he is not just a warm body for training camp. He wants to try and compete for the job. But, you know, he has got a lot of people ahead of him. Uh, Jameson is one. Uh, Hardy's another. You know, those are guys. He's got a lot of people that leapfrog. But, uh, you know, P.J. Williams, if he wants to stick around, is going to have to make some plays in this preseason game. Um he is a guy I can see is in danger of being cut. Um, my favorite person whose name I mispronounce constantly, uh, number 44. He has a Ki- good shot. Kikaha. Kikaha has a good shot of not making this team because uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself out there again. Uh Kikaha, PJ Williams, um, Probably one of those linebackers, special teams guys, uh, Stupar. I, yeah. Uh, I, 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 given the, you know, and I don't mean to be, uh, 
I, I don't mean to low rate these guys, but that's just the level of talent that we we have in training camp right now. Uh, PJ Williams played yeah. subpar last year. Yes, he got an interception, but at times proved to be a liability uh, during this during the seventeen season. Um, Kikaha spent a lot of time hurt and the time on the field you went from sacking the quarterback to do we have anybody in there uh, yeah so I, I mean well the defense changed on him he was drafted to be an outside linebacker or that elephant player in that that Rob Ryan defense and He's not. He's a tweener. He's not big enough to be a defensive end, and he's not fast enough as a linebacker to drop off in coverage. Um, you know, he's a liability there too. He's a he's a pass rusher uh, in a three four scheme, um, or a three four hybrid scheme. And you realize now, if those two guys get cut, that means only one guy from that entire 2015 draft class is still on the team. And that's Andres Pete, the guy everybody hated when they picked him 13th. Um, and he would turn out to be the day, best. <laughs> the next morning, I was on a radio show in, out of, I want to say, Lafayette. And uh, the guy said, well, you know, the Saints drafted Pete. What do you I think? I said, I think that it was a fantastic pick. The Saints need help on the offense. And he was like, you're, and I mean, he just panned everything that I said. Mm -hmm. And the last thing, I believe the last thing that I said in that interview is, well, time will tell if I'm right or not. Well, he was, to me, he was the safest pick. Um, uh, Because I still believe (laughs) to this day, I believe they were targeting uh, Danny Shelton, the, who yes. Cleveland picked at number 12. Um, they wanted that nose tackle, that big run stuffer right there at nose guard. And um, they didn't get him, so they went and took Pete, who was a safe pick. And people were like, why the hell are they drafting a tackle? And Well, that goes right back to your quote of several, several shows now everybody wants the Dallas Cowboys offensive line but nobody likes it when you draft them yeah it's not sexy but it works yeah you know um and you know, the New Orleans Saints have quietly and unassumingly assembled one of by miles one of the most underrated and underappreciated offensive line units in this league yeah, yeah. Ryan Ramchak was a was a great pick, and again, it's just a matter of luck on that because clearly Ryan Ramchak was not the guy they had targeted there. You know, Ribbon Foster was, and Ribbon Foster, of course, got selected by the 49ers. So we pick up Ryan Ramchak, and we were lucked out there too because yes, we did. What would have happened if we would have taken Danny Shelton and then Ribbon Foster as opposed to Pete? And Ramchak, what kind of what kind of team would we have then? Probably not as good. In fact, I know we wouldn't have as good of a team. 
Uh, yeah, because Foster would be in prison by now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, it's just it's the luck of the draw. So much in the draft, you can plan, sure. you can plan, you can plan, but part the secret of the draft always is you get the right player that falls to you that is in the right system and he has the internal motor to do the things you want to do um you know this guy right here you know 41 uh Kamara you know he isn't a guy that fell to us it was in the right system and everybody wanted and I was one of them that wanted Joe Mixon because I thought Joe Mixon was going to do the things that Kamara did, does. Mixon, yeah, he's probably going to break out in San Diego and have a pretty good year, but he wasn't rookie of the year. You know, he wasn't the instant impact player. So, you know, so much of it is luck of the draw. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm very hesitant to make judgments about drafting dra draft picks when – the day after or the year of their first year. I'm very hesitant to make a lot of judgments on players because you don't know who's going to work out and who doesn't. Um, it usually takes about three years for those draft picks to mature. Then you can go back and look at, well, we're now in year three for the 2015 draft, and we're talking right now about two guys who might not make the team. So we only have one guy left. And he's part of the best offensive line the Saints have ever assembled. So I completely agree. That judgment shows that, you know what? The guy everybody hated on draft day, he was your best player. So um, shows how much people know for those instant draft grades. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about him. Um, the Taysom Hill hype train. Uh John Forcade the second had a had a great game against backups. You know, uh, Tim he, Tebow is alive and with Tim Tebow, the taller version of Tim taller, better passer version of Tim Tebow had a good game uh, against second and third teamers. You know, he he really did. Uh, he bounced back nicely, but he ran more than he threw, and I have to give him credit. Um, the Saints' first-team offense did not look very good against San Diego in that first quarter. And it was really the fourth down fake punt where I think Hill must have been the up back. I wasn't paying that close attention to the game. He was. But I know, I know the ball went to Hill, and he, he ran it for the first down. Um, so, you know, once again, Hill's a great athlete. That's unquestionable. He's a great athlete, but he's not an NFL quarterback yet. Yeah, it's exciting to watch him run around and playground, you know, sandlot football. Play breaks down. He takes off. He's the fastest guy on the field. But that kind of stuff isn't what happens. He's not going to be able to get away with that at, at against first teamers. Joey Bose is going to be able to run him down. Mar Marvin Ingram is <laughs> going to run him down. You know, that he might break outside once or twice, but people are going to start getting that stuff on film and knowing what he likes to do, and they're going to take that away from him, and they're going to make him throw the ball. And once again, we saw, and I'm 
got it. I'm trying to get people to understand this. Once again, we saw the erratic mechanics of of uh, of Taysom Hill. He doesn't have a consistent release point. The ball doesn't always come at the place it's supposed to go. Um, you know, sometimes the ball's here, sometimes it's here. You know, one of the things about Drew Brees is if Drew Brees wants to put that ball on your back shoulder, it's coming right to your back shoulder where only you can catch the ball. Taysom Hill isn't going to do that, you know, and, and it's because Drew Brees works so hard at his accuracy and works, and that's critical for a timing-based offense that the Saints have where Brees is throwing to a spot. He can't even see that. He can't even see where he's putting the ball half the time. At least he takes a very deep drop to see those deep opening receivers. But he understands the game to the extent of, and this is the key to the West Coast offense, he knows exactly where the player is going to be and where the defensive back is going to be on a play so he's putting the ball to a spot, not to a man. And that's the hardest part for people to understand when they watch a football game. Like, look at the interception he did throw, okay? You're thinking to yourself, what the hell is he doing? It's double coverage. Why is he throwing in double coverage? Because he is throwing to a spot on the field. And the ball comes out late. The safety has time to break on the ball and close in. When you see Drew Brees put that ball in a spot where a guy's hand just misses or a defensive back just is a step behind, that is the design of the offense. The offense is designed to get that ball out at a certain time, and it goes to a spot at a certain time when they know the coverage is changing. Okay, a cornerback is only going to follow a guy so far in a zone defense. He'll stop and pass him off to the next guy who is closing into that spot. So you have a window, a small area where that ball can be. And it's based on time. You know how much time it takes for a defensive back to close. You know how much time you have before that defensive back passes off the guy to the next guy. That's when you release the ball, and the ball has to be at that spot at that moment. It, I mean, that's precision passing. That's how this offense works. And to do this at this kind of level consistently and to consistently produce the kind of yardage that this team produces offensively, that takes very consistent mechanics that Taysom Hill simply does not have right now. You know, he is pulling plays out of his butt. You know, <laughs> he really is. It, it's fun. It's a like, lot of fun like to see that, that technical analysis. But that's how. But that's how. It, that's what it is because that's what you're seeing right now. You're seeing plays break down and guys freelancing. That's why you see defensive coordinators lose their mind about about what's going on out there when you see guys freelancing or guessing what they think they got to do instead of doing what the defense calls for. And well, when I mean, they, I mean, you saw the same thing, uh, Tim Tebow's rookie year when he was running around all over the place, making plays, then teams got, got film on him. 
you saw Colin Kaepernick running around, making all sorts of plays, doing that uh, that RPO offense, rode it all the way to the Super Bowl. They had the entire offseason to, uh, to get film on him and to study on him. You never saw him do it again. That – the window of opportunity for that to succeed is so small. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. It's they, they sit there and they pour over the film and they look at everything and they have, they have everything timed out. So they know what you like to do. They look at your eyes. You, you know, Drew Brees is a master looking off safeties. You, we've talked about that before. You know, that's the kind of stuff that they, they look for in an offense. So, you know, that's why a guy like Taysom Hill needs a lot of work because he has to get all that stuff down. And the best way for him to get that down is playing time. And he yeah. doesn't have that with a Drew Brees ahead of him because he's not going to get the snaps. You know, it's unfortunate. I told you this in a chat when we were watching the game. It's unfortunate that NFL Europe is gone because a developmental league like NFL Europe would be fantastic for a guy like Taysom Hill because he would get the playing time where he can become a better passer. That's how Kurt Warner did it. Kurt Warner played in the AFL. He played in the indoor league, did all these things to get better at his mechanics and get that ball out quicker and more accurately because he started to see the windows and how much time he had. So he knew in his clock, the internal clock he had, if I do a six step drop, it's going to take so many seconds for me to get to that, that last step, that sixth and seventh step. It's that it, each step is time and it takes that much time for a receiver to run his route. And I'm going to throw this ball to this spot because a defensive back is going to break off there and pass him off to the safety, you know, and I'll know I can put the ball there. Or if the defensive back is playing man coverage, I'm going to know where I have to put that ball to throw that guy open. I'm going to put it in front of him. I'll put it behind him. Wherever that defensive back struggles covering best, that's where I'm going to put that ball. So, you know, that's, that's what he needs. He needs that time where he can develop his – he can perfect, I should say, his passing skills. So, you know, Savage is ahead of him in that point. Savage is, puts that ball in a better place consist, more consistently than, than Taysom Hill does. It's not that he's a better player. He's just more polished than Hill is right now. I so think you're going to see the emergence of Tom Savage. He's not going to supplant – Drew Brees as a starting quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that his time, the time that he has spent in New Orleans with a quote unquote quarterback guru like Sean Payton is going to put him in a way better place than he ever was coming out of Houston. Well, he's got a, he, he does have a system that's more friendly than what Houston had for, for his skill set. Okay, uh, and this is what I was talking about with Ben um, with um, with Deshaun Watson earlier. Deshaun Watson was playing based off of his own athletic ability. You know, he, he the defensive breakdown, and he was just playing how he knows how to play football. 
you know, in a more – what what's going to happen to him this year now? Uh, it, our defense is going to be more structured to stop somebody like him, take away the things he likes to do? We don't know yet, I and mean, we'll find out. A four-game or five-game resume is not enough really to really get good film on somebody, but they'll learn some things about him, what he likes to do. And, you know, that's why you see a lot of rookies have that instant success and then kind of fall back. And some of them collapse. Some of them don't get any better. Like you think, like a, a guy like a Rick Meyer, you know, they found out real quick. Well, no, it's true. Rick Meyer actually outplayed know. Drew Bledsoe his rookie year, but then they found out Rick Meyer doesn't like to throw to his left. And they found that out by looking at film. So what did they do? They started making him throw to his left, and that's where his career unraveled because he had the skills, but. He didn't have the makeup or the consistency to overcome what once defenses took away what he liked to do. You know, the playbook contracted for him, whereas it expanded for a guy like Drew Bledsoe. So that, I mean, that's the kind of stuff. That's why you see the, the wild swings. And going back to the first thing we talked about, that's why an idiot like Chris Sims shouldn't put somebody like that in a top 10 list yet. Let this guy develop and put a resume together first before you start putting him in a top 10 list. I know you want to be trendy. I know you want to be cool because it's a trendy and cool thing to include these young up and coming stars. But, you know, RG three looked awesome his rookie year, but he never got any better. And it was more than just the injuries. He just never got any better. Um, so, well, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I mean, let's uh, – I was going to say we, we should jump to the last couple of things that we have on our list here. Um, um, you, you asked me in the list that we put together, how is this game Thursday night going to be compared to the game we play – I just was looking at it uh, – in October uh, – I'm sorry, November 4th when we play the Rams in the Dome. I'm going to say night and day. <laughs> no one's going to remember this game. <coughs> Peyton is not going to give them anything that they can key off of or use against him in November. Like, for example, two-point conversions, onside kicks, fakes, fake punts. Oh, he may do all that. He may do all that again. And that's just stuff they got to prepare for. It doesn't mean that he's going to run that November. But I think that was part of the all the two point conversions plays yeah. they were running. Yeah. Um, you know, Saturday night. That was just now you got film to look at. You know, Chris yeah. Van Chris Van was aggravated because they got running trying to run the bubble screen and the um little I, I almost want to call it a dig route, but it's more of a it's a it's a one step and then cut inside route that uh, Michael Thomas runs almost like a screen. He's like, man, why do they keep running that? They can he can't run that route. I'm like, because it's preseason. You can run that. You can do that kind of stuff preseason <laughs> because now they got film on it. Now they have to be aware. You know what? They might run a bubble screen with him with uh, with uh, Michael Thomas in the slot. And they'll jump the bubble screen and it's a it's a slant and go. Or it's a, you know it's something like that you never know, I mean it's just one more thing and I think they said that Tony Romo said that uh, last year we're talking about the Patriots 
that sometimes Bill Belichick runs plays he knows aren't going to work. He knows that he's never going to use again, but it's on film, and you got to prepare for it. That's right. You got to be ready for it, whether you see it or not. Yeah, because you never know if he's really going to do this or not. It's just. Well, we want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. We're getting close to our cutoff. Oh, point. yeah. Um, uh, we want to invite you guys, special by us invitation, if you will, our season kickoff special. We still want to hear from everyone and tell us a, a real cool, catchy name to uh, a, a brand to put on this. Uh, Saturday, September the 8th, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are going to have, I don't know, uh, it'll be our third year, our third kickoff special, and probably uh, our most star-studded, of course, uh, I'm using that term loosely. (laughs) We're going to, from the Atlanta Falcons, we'll have Josh Schultz. From the C3 podcast, we were we will invite back Cody, Cody Latchney, uh, and from the Buck What You Heard podcast, our buddy Gene Thomas. Uh, we we will have our NFC South roundtable as we always do, uh, and prior to that, our first hour, very special guest, former Saints. Line, middle linebacker Jolon Dunbar will be our guest. We're really looking forward to that. Um, did I forget anything? No, that's everything. I mean, Jolon Dunbar is the best. The, uh, you know, the, the roundtable is going to be fun. It's great having those guys back on. But I, I really want everybody to listen to the Jolon Dunbar segment because, um, you know, it's great to get respected from a uh, former player. We'll talk to him a little bit about what it was like to play for the Saints, what it was like to what the coaching staff was like to him, and you know, compare that to the other teams he was he because he bounced around the league a little bit. Um, so yeah, that that's that's the exciting part of the show. So we really hope you stay and listen to to that part. Then of course, join in the listen to the roundtable. We talk about and brag about and insult each other in our <laughs> respective teams. Um, it'll Poor be Josh, man. Uh- Everybody, all for some, I you know I love Josh Schultz to death. He's a he's a friend of mine from a long while ago. Uh, but he has to have skin like Kevlar because anytime we do one of these NFC South roundtable things, everybody turns on the Falcons as they should. <laughs> um, and. He just, you know, he takes it with a grain of salt and he smiles and he goes on about his business. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to, to doing our uh, our third season kickoff. And then uh, the the following day. Opening we, day. Opening day, man. Hey, uh, you know, here's the thing, too. I, I just realized this. We're doing this show next weekend, not this weekend coming up. Um so Atlanta was have will have already taken a loss when we do the show because they play the Eagles <laughs> Thursday night. So you know that's been even more fun talking about that. I wonder you know. if that'll come up in the conversation. <laughs> oh, I'm sure several times, uh, several times. 
Um, so we we'll be doing two shows next week then. Yeah. I you know, I would enjoy I wish I wore I wish I had a Bobby Abe jersey and we could be side by side for that thing because I'd have you wear your Ingram jersey and you'd be on this side of me and I'll wear my Bobby Abe jersey and you'll be twenty eight and I'll be three and we could just sit here and see how long it takes him to catch that. We'll just sit here. Well Keep keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. We'll we'll hold on to that one. That would be awesome to do. We we'd have to it'd have to be all in person though. We couldn't just do it, you know, via the internet. We'd have to be, you know, sitting at a, a real round table and having a camera, and we'll just sit there and just see how long it would take him to catch on. <laughs> all right. Well, we thank everyone for joining us tonight, man. We Absolutely. love you guys all. Uh, We'll see you guys again next uh, next Tuesday night. Absolutely. Thank you all for sticking with us. And I've got a new power cord, so hopefully I won't go to sleep on you guys again like I did this one. That freaked me out. So, anyway, <laughs> working fine now. So, thank you all for sticking with us. And good night, everybody. <laughs>